Welcome back, Pirates fans. We are recording here from Resonate Studio. I hope everybody has been enjoying last week's episode with defensive lineman Toby Johnson. But I just want to make a quick announcement that the Pirates podcast has changed its name to the State of the Pirate Ship. And next week, we will be joined by our new co-host of the podcast, John Wilbur, who is the host of Johnny on the Drive on the radio station MyFM 101.3, and he is also the public address announcer for the Pirates. I'm very excited to have John join the podcast and bring some great energy and insight to this podcast every single week. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with newly signed linebacker Kobe Kwanzaa. So let's listen to Kobe and I's conversation. I'm here with new Pirates linebacker Kobe Kwanzaa. And so, Kobe, I want to first start off. You have a pretty interesting story, you know, growing up in Ghana. And I want to sort of ask you a little bit about your experience growing up there. Um, it was kind of short-lived. I only was there for about until I was four years old, and I moved to um, came to the States, first living in Minnesota. Um, it was my mom, my sister, and I who kind of moved over uh, with my uncle in Minnesota, and then moved pretty much throughout the States from Minnesota to Snellville, Georgia, back to Minnesota, and then um, Attleboro, Mass, Bronx, New York, and then Manchester, Connecticut. Wow, that's a lot of moving yeah. around. <laughs> and, and so, like, I, I, I'm curious, like, especially – with the different environments from Ghana as well as go, going over to Minnesota, what was that sort of transition like? Um, the biggest thing, honestly, has been just, you know, the weather. <laughs> yeah, um, Going from um, being right on the equator to seeing snow for the first time was something that was crazy. Um, and I think it's also helped, the moving around has a lot has helped me um, growing up, just, you know, being able to adapt and adjust to different, like, locations, environments, and people. Um, going from Minnesotians to Connecticutians uh, or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Um, that's you know, um, it's always kind of brought in my horizons to see you know how different people in Iraq move around, and I, I don't know. I feel like I'm able to adjust wherever I'm at. Makes sense. I, yeah. I I bet you you can never forget, especially when you first saw your first snowfall, as well as when you made your first snowman as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, especially with like moving all around, you you mentioned it definitely helped you be able to acclimate a little bit more um, with like meeting new people and that sort of stuff. So how did you first get into football? So I actually got into football my sixth grade. In sixth grade, one of my first friends in Manchester, Thomas Hernandez, he actually um, told me to come try out for the in-house league. Before that, the only kind of football experience I had was within like the neighborhood kids. Mm-hmm. Was my apartment complex and the next uh, neighboring one, we kind of just played football, pretty much all sports on um, gravel, you know, chip rocks and stuff. Um, so in sixth grade, he told me to come try out for the in-house league. There was about five different teams within uh, Manchester. It was, you know, um, Broncos, Raiders, Jets, Cardinals, and Giants. I actually made the uh, Cardinal team, and he had talked to his head coach um, to bring me over. And his head coach later on became my father figure, Coach Tylon Smith. That's cool. And um, ever since that, just, you know, I've been rocking with football since. That's awesome. And, and so growing up, did you have any, uh, like, players that you kind of – um, like looked up to or, or like kind of um, you know uh, put your play after or that sort of stuff um, I think only growing up there's only one player I was a big Randy Moss fan for some reason I think oh, that's because I lived in Minnesota for a little bit uh, so I would always try to you know one hand cash things whenever we're going everywhere um, mm-hmm. I like to still think I'm an athlete and uh, <laughs> play the slot receiver so we'll be fighting switch to my position um, but surprisingly I tell people I never really grew up uh with football, because knowing my family, you know, being from Ghana, we're 
we were the other football, soccer. So everybody's right. kind of born knowing how to play soccer. Makes sense. Uh, that's what we really watch, not football as much. And it's funny, like, putting on football for my mom and grandma, they always kind of, like, see the screen and like, ooh, don't hit them that <laughs> <laughs> And so forth. So, um, and now I just kind of cheer for friends that are playing in different leagues and stuff. Makes sense. That, that, that makes me think, like, when, when you came over to America, like, when people were talking about football, did you get confused at first or...? Um, I don't think I did just because okay. I was so young. So it's Makes um, sense. like here you just everybody calls it soccer, so not football. Right, much. right. Um, where back home is different in the household. We call it football and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't much of a big difference when people would call football football. <laughs> right, right. I was just curious because uh, I mean that that's something is, especially um, when you when you see people come over from different countries that, that they they always call it American football um, <laughs> or they say it a little bit differently. But uh, you you decided to go to the University of Duke, and mm-hmm. I, I was wondering uh, what sort of inspired you to go to Duke. Um, kind of a lot of different things. Uh, originally, my dream school was actually Ohio State, um, but just, you know, through some uh, bad taste from uh, one of the area recruiters, um, kind of brought um, a little thought to my head. Mm-hmm. And then um, in high school, my freshman year, actually one of my neighbors from the neighboring uh, complex, um, he had signed with Boston College, but he had got like a real bad concussion in his freshman year, so they deemed him uh, medically inadequate to play anymore. But they upheld his scholarship, so he was, even though he was on a team, they um, he went to school for free for four years. So I kind of thought sense. about that, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, that I'm not able to play football anymore. You know, what's, you know, who are the schools that's going to kind of uphold the same things? And, like, you know, some of the big top schools, um, they, you know, they're going to get four or five-star recruits every year. So, it's, you know, more so, like, you know, what can you do for them in a situation? So, and right. if you aren't producing, you know, it's next man up kind of situation. Right. Um, then I started, you know, once I went to a private high school and everything, I started realizing just the importance of education mm-hmm. because football is, you know, it's only short-lived, regardless if you right. get to NFL so for, you know, if you're lucky to get the opportunity, um, it does come to an end. So then I started realizing, okay, once I'm done with football, you know, what's going to be it? And then I started realizing the schools, that all the offers I had, um, you know, just started trying to rank them in terms of academics and football. Mm-hmm. So when football is over, you know, even just a lot of names of degrees open doors for you. So then I started right. trickling down my offers to top academic, top football schools, and then try to visit as much as I could before my senior year. And once I felt comfortable in the place, um, it was a done deal. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, did, didn't you have the opportunity to also play with Daniel Jones as well, yeah. the, the quarterback for the Giants? So what was your experience like, you know, spe- especially, you know, defending against him yeah. at Duke? <laughs> um, Daniel Jones, he's a, he's a great guy. I mean, that's my one of my dogs. Um, he is a freak athlete, you know, 6'5", but can move, like, I'm telling you, um, Play multi-purpose, like multi-sport uh, player, kind of. You know, we, every now and then we kind of go pick up, um, play some pickup ball on the Rex. Mm-hmm. Um, cool guy. He's, he's always funny, like seeing how he is, like in the limelight now, and then like how he really is and so forth. But, right. You know, he just knows how to um, carry himself. You know, in the camera and everything. But mm-hmm. he's a guy he likes to just have fun, just like a regular person. So. Um, definitely proud of him how far he's coming is how much he can keep accomplishing exactly I mean that's why they call him Danny Dimes yeah. <laughs> but I, I, bet, I bet you've seen the play before anytime I think about Daniel Jones all I think about in my mind is uh, that play where he, was, he broke off on this incredible run and then ended up tri- tripping on himself that's all I remember yeah. but um, so after after you like played for Duke for a few years um, during your junior year you unfortunately um, were injured and had to get foot surgery but it's it's interesting because your 2019 season your senior year was your best year at Duke and so what through your recovery process helped you come back better than ever 
Um, a lot of different things. Just you know, one. I just want to get back on the field with my uh, my brothers and teammates and just play alongside them, win or lose the situation. Um, it was unfortunate what happened to my foot, but I mean, now I know I have flat and a wide feet, so mm-hmm. a lot of cleats are made to be narrow. So my foot was kind of hanging off, and it was bound to eventually happen. Um, That's interesting. So, but you know, even it's weird. I was only out three weeks. But I, the whole mindset, you know, mentally strong just from those around me, pushing me, encouraging me to just just, just take my time to get healthy. But even mm-hmm. that kind of motivated me to, like, get back on the field a little quicker. Um, I think before, prior to my senior year, I knew I, what I was capable of doing. Just I felt like I hadn't gotten the opportunities as much. And both, not just, I wasn't trying to put blame, but also I had to point the, not point the finger, but point the thumb at myself or just, you know, I wasn't in the playbook as much as I uh, should have been and so forth. So while I knew I had the physical talents, but wasn't mentally as rare there to be on the field as much as I wanted to. And then once I really trickled down my junior and senior year, you know, senior year takes speaks for itself. I'm calling out plays, reacting to it before it even happens. Um, and even it's funny because my senior year, summer going in, um, nine days before the first game, I actually broke my, I shattered my thumb by the base and had to get surgery. So I was actually out. I was in practice for like four days and like three days before the game. I'm back in the field and just, you know, wow. I told myself, I told my teammates beforehand, listen, if you have aspirations to play next level, you know, this is the season to do it. We're playing Alabama, playing right. the game. Um, so I wasn't going to sit out for that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> nine days later, I'm, you know, I'm playing in uh, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium against uh, Alabama and all their um, top players right now who are in the league. So. I just had to get out there and do my thing. That makes sense. And, and you also had the opportunity to be a part of the 2020, uh, you know, draft whole uh, process. And that must have been sort of interesting, especially through all that. Did, did, did you talk to teams, like, over Zoom and, like, that sort of stuff? And how was that sort of whole experience? Yeah, it was interesting because um, 2020 came around. You know, I actually – I was playing an NFL PA Bowl. So that – presented me, gave me an opportunity to be in front of a lot of these scouts and coaches, um, you know, first first uh, hand, um, where we did have opportunities, you know, one, they're seeing you in practice, you in the game, even just in the hotel, they would have a conference room where you kind of like round table, mm-hmm. um, talking with teams, just, you know, talking about yourself, um, football-wise, just, you know, personally as well, too. And then even after that, um, I had got on some FaceTime calls with um, some coaches, assistant coaches, just to... Uh, you know, talk about defense-wise and everything. During the draft process, I had teams tell me, you know, they're going to take me uh, late rounds or priority free agent. And I was, you know, cool. There's a lot of opportunities and lots of ways to get in. Right. It was a little unfortunate because, one, I didn't get to have my pro day because two weeks before my pro day, that's when COVID really struck. And that's unfortunate. The NFL announced, you know, we're not going to have any scouts on the road right. and so forth. So, um, better lack of words, a lot of players in my class got screwed over right. if you were at the combine. And then even from there, still was kind of um, – screwed over because you know there was no rookie mini camp no OTAs there's honestly no football right. until August uh, and even then it was still you know in the air yeah I didn't even think about that and, and obviously that unfortunately put you at a disadvantage I mean because you had you had eight teams knocking at your door yeah. and um, did that sort of motivate you especially unfortunately going undrafted now playing with the Pirates this next upcoming season does that kind of motivate you going into this season to show NFL teams that they missed out on a prime player oh yeah for sure I mean every day I it's funny because I had players that I was training with um, both in the NFL from uh, BJ Hill and um, Cordell Patterson mm-hmm. um, and even just guys that were in my draft class that I was training with um, such as Kendall Hinton and so forth where um, like you know they made camps and stuff and they were telling me like you know, there's nobody out here really in my back <laughs> that's as good as I like I know that <laughs> right. um, but you know just things shake, shake down in the system wise but um, it's weird it's like you know 
after the draft was kind of you know phone was silent didn't hear anything from any team for a while but the way I am out I, I was even like football came to an end I know I would always kind of just be in shape stay kind of um, right. geared as if I'm ready to play anyway and that's what I pretty much did for 18 months straight coming out um, and then this past summer actually I had gone to um, the Hub Football event which is this uh, street free agent platform created by Don Yee Tom Brady's agent um, where cool. it gave pretty much you know, veterans, young you guys, uh, opportunity to get seen in front of um, NFL scouts because NFL and CFL scouts just because I know the biggest thing what I was realizing was actually learned there's a difference between you know, pro scouts and college scouts. I didn't know there was a difference. Me college either. Scouts who just really watch college plays coming out, and then pro scouts who watch you know guys from practice squads and so forth. But hmm. my class, we were in a weird area because you know you're not a college player anymore. You've been out in the pros. Right. Um, so again, he gave you opportunity to get seen. It's just, you know, shirts and shorts. Um, but I had gone to two. I tried to time it perfectly in terms of the first one I went to was March of 2020, um, right before free agency started. Try to, you know, get seen right before at this point, decision being made. So see what can happen there. Um, nothing really unfolded from there, but I still got to show myself and uh, all the teams out there. And then July, I went again for another one. Um, and I, you know, went out there, did my same thing again, and this time I actually got a scout from the Seahawks who came up to me, um, you know, and was like, you know, what's the closest airport to you? You know, a couple of weeks ago, got camp coming up. I'm going to go back to my office and talk to guys, um, see if we get something going on. He actually, the um, scout actually was a, a recruiter at Louisiana Tech where my old linebacker coach, uh, Lanier Gothi, was at playing before, or coaching before he came to Duke. So, you know, feeling good, everything. I was like, you know, this is what we needed. Um, two weeks later, they ended up giving me a call, telling me going to fly me out that weekend for a workout. Um, they ended up canceling, unfortunately, just because they had to sign somebody that they had brought in pri- a couple weeks prior. So, uh, I mean, for for like a couple hours a day, I was like a little distraught. But then I, right. you know, try to have a positive mindset, thinking, 100%. you know, listen, we waited 18 months not knowing anything was going to happen. Exactly. When they say you stay ready because you never know, that's that's really the that's really the motto because, you know, I'm staying ready and they called me. So, you know, it's really just go time at that point. So same thing is going on now. Um, and then with the new agents I signed with, you know, just try to provide um, film to teams. But, you know, when it comes down to it, they want to see you in action. So it is right. where I think um, it's a great opportunity with the Pirates just to, one, go out there, play football, play the sport I love again. Um, display my talents and um, look, look to go to the next level soon. I love it. And yeah, w- one model that I always stick by is everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I, I I think, you know, life puts these different roadblocks or situations in our life so we, so we can learn and, you know, um, I, we're definitely grateful that you're here with us with the Pirates and um, obviously you mentioned like with the film and um, being able to help scouts see you in action inspired you to um, sign with the Pirates but was there anything else that sort of drew you to uh, the Masters Pirates? Um, just a lot of uh, convenience wise one just proximity of being home back home um, mm-hmm. it's been a while since I played up in the New England area um, and just you know right now I was currently you know in a career path and career job and stuff so I already had a couple teams reach out to me but they were all west coast and the biggest thing was I mean I know my job is remote currently but um you know if I moved out west coast it'd be a whole different time change you know and the possibility that my job touches to go back to the office Mm -hmm. would cause a problem so you know while reaching out to teams I just wanted to uh, like be up front let them know what I had going on as well and uh, making sure there was no conflict so just you know in terms of how Pirates, you know, um, go about their operations with practice, games, and so forth. It's just the best opportunity here, so I can stay in my job, um, 
without leaving before you guys come by and then even just and then you know not have any conflicts and get both both jobs done so that was a big thing makes sense and um you know it's it's pretty interesting you know looking at your record throughout what you've done uh in the community you know we we always say the on-field stuff is great but w- when you do stuff off the field like you've done in the community it's it's amazing to see and so h- how much is the, that community work important to you i mean it's very important i mean just growing up it's it's always kind of been the reason why i give back now is just you know being the opportunity that i've you know i've had people come through my life who've who helped me without, you know, batting an eye, even ask for anything in return, you know, just, and just to give the opportunity back to any and everybody has kind of been my thing. Um, so, you know, just, you know, you know, whatever you could do now can have a long, long lasting impact on, you know, from a young person or old person. It doesn't really matter. So just, you know, you want to, like I said before earlier, you know, that football is going to come to an end. Right. A lot of people, you know, depending where you have a good career or not, they're going to forget about you eventually. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, off the field, how do you want to be remembered? Every day, you know, you want to have a positive uh, impact on everybody you surround yourself with, whether you know them personally or not. People, you know, down the street may just see you walking, and and they'll know, okay, oh, that's you know the guy who helped so and so and so forth. Um, so you may not have a direct connection with them, but you know you have a long-lasting impact on them as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a huge thing as well. So, something that I've tried to remind myself about is, like, what's your legacy going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even as deep as it is, like, at your funeral, how will people remember yeah. you? It's it's the reality of the situation. But um, how uh, – I, I read something as well that, like, after football, your aspirations are focused on helping kids with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I think that's incredible, man, it's especially somebody who's, like, 22, almost 23, yeah. um, seeing what social media has done for kids my age and even younger – it's uh, it's very unfortunate. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I'm still kind of like cha- debating that uh, kind of path right now, just because you not know, finished school uh, without that. So kind of going back to school mm-hmm. uh, would be a little problem going into that. Um, so I mean, eventually I want to go back to school, get my master's in psych, so I could go into clinical. Um, cool. Biggest thing is I want to go into a more focused uh, behavioral and cognitive psych, where I can help little kids, kind of help eliminate that mental issue while they're younger before they come more problematic problematic while they're older right. biggest thing why because me being from ghana um a lot of other countries like african countries don't you know mental health isn't a thing really you know you ask my mom or grandmother you know say like i'm depressed they kind of look at you funny like uh what is that yeah kind of thing so while the u.s and, and a couple other countries have a big uh you know emphasis on it you know we have a whole mental work mental health awareness month and so forth so there's more emphasis here but as a foreigner who came into the states you know it's better now but Coming in, again, a lot of those parents don't have that mindset as well. So they don't understand that where their right. kids are being, you know, immersed into, like, American culture, um, being around p- their friends who, you know, have more prevalence on that in their minds where you're not thinking about that. So that's right. more impacting them. But they don't have the opportunity to go home and, like, talk about that. Um, they do, may do at school if, they, if they're open to speaking about it, but right. at home is not the same. So where that may impact them a little more or differently um, – so, again, just being able to help them out with that while they're younger before, you know, it becomes more last. Because as things, you know, add on, it starts, it's harder to break down that uh, situation. So, yeah, that's one of the biggest reasons. I, but, I mean, right now, <laughs> I'm actually in uh, the sales role with, with Oracle. So, um, definitely learning a lot there and seeing what happens. Maybe I'll go back and follow that path with Psych. 100% man well I mean you can also do stuff just just as using your voice like you are right now because yeah. I'm a big mental health advocate as well you know just 
promoting it's okay not to be okay i think i think that's a huge thing as well and um i think i think it's amazing sort of like the mindset that you have with like the younger kids as well um but for for pirates fans who want to want to get to know you a little bit are excited to watch you on the field is there any message that you have for them the only message i have man we just about to put on a show um on and off the field that's that's the biggest thing <laughs> i love it i love it this is the Pirates Podcast, Episode 3. Make sure you subscribe on whatever audio platform you're listening to and also on YouTube to get updated for weekly episodes. Thanks so much for watching.